All right, my name is Dwight. I am, I'm trying to balance a lot of things this morning, apparently. Um, so, just came from NDG. Church in NDG says hello. They didn't really, but I'm assuming that if they got to talk to me, they would have said hello. Uh, but yeah, lots of hellos back to them. Uh, greetings to the camera and the people who are not only behind the camera, but also behind technology in their living room. Uh, we cannot see you at this point, but... Uh, we're assuming you're saying hello as well. So uh, the downtown location has the incredible privilege of live streaming also. Why is everyone taller than me? I go through this every time I preach. I'm like, man, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had. No, I won't go ski low this morning. Does anyone know who ski low is? Yes. All right. I see no hands, but I hear one ashamed yes. So anyway, we don't need to go into ski low. So I, wanna, I want you to imagine this morning. All right? In my house, don't, don't imagine my house, uh, but in my house, we play imagine games all the time, don't we? But I'm looking at my kids, yes, my two kids here. Yes, we play imagine games, and they're like crazy. There's no like mini imagine games. It's like, Dad, imagine that you don't have any arms and legs. Like, what would you do? I'm like, I wait for you to feed me. They're like, yeah, but no, like, really, what would you? I'm like, that's what I would do. I would lay there and wait for you to feed me. Like, these are the imagined type of games that we play at home. Um, but I want to imagine with us today. I want to imagine that uh, Jesus is driving down. Now, Jesus didn't have the opportunity to drive when he was on earth that we know about. Um, but Jesus is driving down the street, and you're walking along, and he pulls a car over, puts down his window, and in a very uncreepy way, invites you into his car. And he says, I, I want to share with you about where I'm going and, and what that place is like. And also along the way, I want to share with you about who I am. All right, so can we imagine today, right? Some of you analytical people are like, I don't know. Like, what are the data points? Like, don't worry about those. We're just going to, we're going to play, all right? We're going to imagine. Because here's the thing. Jesus is, is ready to share who he is and what he's done with all those who are willing to get in. Anyone who's willing to explore who Jesus is and what he's done, Jesus is ready to share more about who he is and what he's done. Listen to what Jesus says in Mark 4, and that's where we're going to be today, by the way. If you don't have a Bible, I think we have Bibles in the back. Yeah, we do. Um, we have a Bible. Someone could grab one for you. You can take it home. It's not stealing when you take Bibles. Don't take those wardrobes back there. Those aren't ours, but take a, take a Bible. If you, want. you probably wouldn't look good in those anyway. I'm looking at them. They're not, they're not in season. Anyway, Mark 4, uh, book of the New Testament, documents the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so Mark is really telling Peter's story. Peter was a guy who walked with Jesus uh, for the years of, of Jesus' ministry. And here's what, what Mark, Mark writes in Mark 4, 33-34. With many such parables, okay, stories, we'll talk about that in a minute, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. And so that's where we're at today. Private discipleship with Jesus in the car. He's going to tell us what these stories, what these parables really mean. Now, as Jesus was doing his ministry, he would speak to crowds and he would tell them stories. He wouldn't, he wouldn't tell them, hey, I'm the son of God. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise. Uh, I fulfill all these things. He wouldn't do that because people wanted to kill him. Listen to Mark 3, uh, verse 6 real quick. 
says, the Pharisees, religious leaders, went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians, other leaders, against Jesus, how to destroy him. They were plotting in back rooms, right, behind the curtain. They're there trying to figure out, how do we get this guy who's speaking and kill him? So Jesus wouldn't come right out and say everything that he was about. He would tell them stories. And parables are kind of like, uh, we've likened them to a walnut. If you get a walnut and you try chewing on that, not a lot's going to happen. But if you crack that thing open, there's some goodness inside unless you're allergic. Then there's a hospital trip for you. But there's goodness for those of us who can. Um, crossword puzzle. Everything is right there for you. You just need to do the work to put it together. A treasure map. Right? We play treasure hunting sometimes in our, our house too and in our neighborhood. And the other day the girls were putting a treasure thing together. And sometimes treasures end up like the map goes to something that's mine. And it's like we found the treasure and they take the treasure. I'm like, no, 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 that's mine. Right? They're like, no, no, this is the end of the treasure. I'm like, right, and I get my thing back. They're like, no, daddy, that's not how this works. I'm like, take the treasure. <laughs> They're like, we'll do another one later. I'm like, not with my stuff. But parables are like that. It's like the treasure map is given to us. Jesus is giving this treasure map out to the crowd, and he's saying, who wants to get in the car and find the treasure with me? And so what we're going to hear today in these stories is Jesus saying, this is what's on offer. This is what I'm offering. But then he's going to get really personal with us. And he's going to make this very personal. And he doesn't just give information that you can look at on the wall and be like, hmm, I like that point, I don't like that point, like that point. He's going to make you deal with each one of them. He's going to make us deal with each one of them. So the first story, you ready? You ready to imagine with me today? We, yes, all right, cool. Fully bilingual, amazing, great. Uh, in verse 21 of Mark 4, Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he said to them, Pay attention. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, if I'm sitting in the car with Jesus, for the first part, I'm like tracking, like nodding my head, and then I'm just looking at him. My mouth is probably opening a bit, because I don't really understand what he's saying, the, the last part of it, real quick. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to actually dive into what these stories mean and what Jesus is saying. But... Why would you buy a lamp? For light. That's right. Someone said the first response this morning in NDG was because it's cute. I'm like, that's exactly why I buy light, because it is cute. Um, but the more practical uh, thing is because it gives light. And light helps us see in the dark, right? If you're to go through this curtain, there's a creaky door that you go up, and it's like there's lots of little, I don't know what's in there fully right? Spiders and all kinds of things and spider webs that you could run into. And you want to go up there and have it be light so at least you can see what you're going to walk into, what you did walk into, or what you're stepping on, right? You want, you want for things to be exposed. And what Jesus is saying in this story is that I came to be the lamp. I came to be the light. Now, lights do two things. Lights reveal the bad things that are there, Right? Sometimes you see, you see something and you're like, hi, I just don't want to see that. Turn the light off real quick. And it somehow like it'll magically go away. Like have you ever not wanted to look at your bank account because you feel like if you don't look at it, somehow it's going to be okay? 
right? It's kind of like that. And, that's, and that's, what, that's what happens when Jesus comes and we get to see Jesus and who he is, we realize that we're not right. We realize that there are things about us that are not like Jesus, that we're not always good people and always doing what's morally upright. We actually find out, man, there's lots of flaws going on in me. The Bible actually says there's, there's lots of sin and, and brokenness that we sin and we've been sinned against. And not just sin like things that we do, but things that we don't do. Like things that you know that you're supposed to do, but you're like, ah, I'm just going to avoid that and pretend like I didn't see that. And it's like, oh, that's sin of omission. There's commission things you do, omission things that you should have done but didn't do. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he shows us all these things. Now, it would be really bad news if Jesus just shows up with spotlights, you know, kind of like a cop at night. Right? E- even if you don't even know what you're getting pulled over for, you get pulled over, and it's just like, oh my goodness, like I'm going to jail. It's like, am I drunk? No. Do I have any drugs in the car? No. Was I speeding? I don't think so. It's like, but I definitely probably did something wrong. And they come out, and they're like, oh, we're just doing a random search. You're like, I did it! I didn't mean to! And they're like, no, we're just doing a random search. It's like this weird, this weird guilt can, can come out. It, it would be bad news if Jesus just showed us the things that were broken. But the other thing about light is that for, for when Jesus comes, he shows us a, a different way of being. He shows a, a rightness. He actually comes to reveal who God is and the way that God wants for us to live. And not just so that we can be good religious people, but so that we can, we can be just like God himself in the person of Jesus. That we can live like Jesus lived. So light shows us what's wrong, but then light also reveals God and reveals his ways. And we've been seeing throughout the book of Mark, if you've been with us, that Jesus longs to forgive. He, he's desiring, he's waiting, he's plotting forgiveness for us, not destruction. He wants to give us life. He wants to give us value, meaning, and purpose. All week long, we we try and find value. We try and find meaning. We try and find purpose in the things that we're doing. And if you're like me, sometimes you go to bed and you're like, ah, did today even matter? Was today even worth it? But the value, meaning, and purpose that Jesus gives is an eternal one that's not based on what we do, but is based on what he has done for us. And we'll look at that in a little bit. But as Jesus comes with that, that lamp, is Jesus exposing something in your life that you refuse to address? It's that strange moment where you just expect Jesus to keep talking, but he stops. It's like you're in the car with him. And you're like, no, no, keep going. He's like, no. Is there something that I want to address in your life that you're not letting me address? That you're refusing to address? Sometimes... Uh, we want more of God. We sing about, we want more of you. We want more of you. We want you to do these great things. We want blah, blah, blah. We want all this. But Jesus is saying, I'm asking for you to listen and obey in this area. And you're like, no, I don't want to obey in that area. I want to obey in those other areas. Jesus is not like Build-A-Bear. Have you ever done Build-A-Bear? Do you know someone who's done Build-A-Bear? Right? You go to this overpriced little shop where they have like, it's like, you know, body parts of bears everywhere and like you walk in with your kid and this is good news like putting these bears together and then they like put a little heart in the bear and the bear's 
comes to life, they're your best friends, whatever. But you get to mix and match whatever parts you want about that bear. And Jesus is not Build-A-Bear. You don't get to build him the way that you want him to be and keep out the things that you don't want. He's not going to let that happen. Why? Because he wants you to get full, raw, 100-proof Jesus. Because he's what's best. He's what's best for you. So when Jesus exposes things in your life, it's not to take a mirror of shame and say, hey, Joel, look at that. Right? Rob, take a look. You know, be shameful. Like, that's not why. That's not why Jesus does this. Jesus exposes so that he can heal. When you go to the doctor, I don't even remember the last time I was at the doctor, right? I think it was for immigration stuff many years ago, confession time. That confession at the beginning wasn't enough. I haven't been to the doctors in a long time. Um, but when you go to the doctor, I, you don't show up and it's like, so why are you here? It's like, well, bro, I haven't seen you in like eight years. Just wanted to catch up and see how things were going. It's like, okay, you know, like, your family good? Like, really good. Your family good? I think so. Those aren't those visits. They walk in, they're like, what's wrong? Tell me about what's wrong. And then they have a whole list of questions that they're going to ask. And they're not exposing like, oh, yeah, 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 you have this weird oozing thing and your knee's off point and you walk funny and like, I'll see you later, right? The doctor's there to then go back through that checklist and bring healing. And that's why Jesus exposes things. That's why Jesus, as the light, is good news. And if there's something that he wants to address in your life, let him, because he wants to heal. And you're saying, I can't imagine life without that thing that I'm holding on to. And we'll get to more about that in a second. And I would say, well, Jesus is going to be better than that thing that you're holding on to. Let him bring healing. Let him bring fullness of joy. But you have to know that Jesus is going to expose things about you. Now, do you still want to stay in the car with him? Or do you want to like pull one of those, Jesus, what's that? And then like pull the lever and bail out. Second story, Jesus looks over to you and says, okay, let me switch it up a little bit. The kingdom of God, in verse 26, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. I don't know much about growing things. Um, I'm really good at going to the grocery store. So this just kind of like loses its thing on me because that's the type of field I want. I want to like throw out some seeds somewhere, go to sleep, rise, and it's like, oh, it's ready. So nice. But Jesus is saying that's kind of what my kingdom is actually like. That's kind of like where, where I'm tracking with us. It's like someone scattering seed, sleeping, rising, and the field just grows. The kingdom of God grows in a very mysterious way. And do you know what our part in this is? That we're the ones to be sowing. And then we wait. It's like, many of us can wait. We're not patient, but we can wait. And that's frustrating, isn't it? Because we like doing. We like flurries of activity. And I don't think flurry is an appropriate word to use in June. Um, so we like, we like busyness. We like lots of activity. Because we liken activity to results. That if we're just busy with things and we do more stuff, then results is, are going to take place. But what happens 
if you're busy farming and you keep tending to that same crop that's growing, right? If you put all your attention on that, I'm not a farmer, but I know this much. There's a way that you can actually kill that thing by giving it too much affection and love. We have a bigger dog. We thought he was going to be smaller, but he's a little bit bigger. And if he was any smaller, uh, our, our youngest daughter might kill our dog with affection. She loves this dog so much. And in the same way, we can kill, we can kill things by putting too much attention and, and affection on these things. We can become obsessed with results. If, if you hear anything about like church growth or church planting, so many of the conversations are on results. How many people come in? How many people are this? How many people did this? It's all about how many. And, and we shame one another even in that realm because it's like, oh, you don't have as many things as that other place. And, and as if we did anything about it to get that many people in this place as that many people were in that place. But we can become obsessed with results. But here's the thing. Only God can really bring the fruit. Only God can bring the growth. Only God can bring the results in his kingdom. Our role is to be persistent in prayer and patient waiting. That's our job, is to be persistent in prayer and patient in waiting for him to work. Your job, in a sense, as a follower of Jesus, is to abide in the passenger seat. Jesus says it differently. He says in John, uh, which is a book in the New Testament, John chapter 15, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If that branch is ripped off, it can't do anything on its own. It needs the vine. In a very similar way, Jesus is driving. You sit in the passenger seat, and you go wherever he's going, and you abide by anything that he is doing, and, and in a sense, you're abiding with him. Now, we have a minivan, so we don't race cars. Uh, we would lose desperately. Maybe there's a minivan race around here. I don't know. Maybe we'd win that. But if I had a really nice car, I would be tempted to race people often down St. Catherine Street. I'm envious. Not really, but like when they do the races down there, like it's, it's pretty, it's illegal for sure. But nonetheless, imagine that one of my kids is in the car with me or you're in the car with me and we're driving and we win. Like we beat the other car. And you look at me and you're like, we won. I'm like, you didn't win. I was driving. You're just sitting there. You're taking up my oxygen. You're actually making this car way more. Like, you had no part in this victory. It's my victory. But Jesus doesn't work like that. Jesus invites us into his car. Jesus does all of the work. And then when we look at Jesus and we say, we're winning. Like, we won. This thing happened. He says, yeah, we are. Right? There's this real partnership together with him. But ultimately, we need to know that that field isn't growing because of you. That field is growing because he's the one at work in that place. That's what his kingdom is like. And so the story that Jesus tells us is an invitation to, to let go of our little passenger steering wheel. To let go of this idea that we're the ones in control. And to just sit there and say, okay, Jesus, like, Whatever you want to do, I'm in. You want to take this car to a whole different place? Fine. You want to drive us to a different country? Fine. 
you want, you want me to, to share this thing with this person? Fine. I just, I just want to be in. Right? I just want to be in. The story invites us to put down our little wheel, to let go of the control that you thought you had and to embrace whatever he has. Because Jesus ultimately is going to maneuver your life for his glory and for what's best for you. We so often see circumstances and we're like, this is not what's best. This is not what's most exciting. And yet we have this God that we know is going to work all things together for good to those who love him, who's always going to do what is good, right, and true, that ultimately in the end is going to do what's absolutely without a doubt the best thing, but it's really hard in the moment when we're looking at our circumstances, isn't it? But that's our moment to let go and to say, all right, Jesus, like I'm in. I'm in. You're going to grow this field the way that you want. You're going to grow me the way you want. And you're going to use me to impact others the way you want. You have a far better plan. Le- please let me know. The third story that Jesus would say, looking over to you, is it found in Mark 4, verse 30. With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Have you ever held a mustard seed in your hand? No. All right. One person, no. Okay. I have. And like if you aren't careful, like even as you're talking, you think you drop it, but it's so small it like gets caught in the little creases on your hand. Super, super tiny. And Jesus is saying, I want for you to think of my kingdom like that. Seemingly so insignificant that you could lose it and it's right in your hand. But yet when that seed is sown into the ground, it becomes the largest. What's Jesus talking about? He's not giving you a mustard seed, mustard bush, Wikipedia type of instruction. There's a spiritual application to this. Now a seed for actually, for a seed to do something... What does a seed have to do? It has to grow. How does it grow? Okay, it needs water, but before that, I can hold a seed in my hand and and water it all day long. You plant it. Okay, so after you plant it, what happens to the seed? Okay, it grows roots, but the seed has to die. The seed as it existed has to die and take on a different form. And this is what Jesus says in John 12 about himself. In John chapter 12, I'm glad you guys know a lot about seeds. If I ever plant anything, I'll invite all of you who responded over. John 12, verse 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Just sitting there. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And Jesus is speaking about himself, that Jesus came humbly into this world. And Jesus goes to to the cross to be like that seed that, that died. Yet when Jesus goes to the cross, he goes in yours and my place. That ultimately when humanity first rebelled against God, God said the wages, the payment, the paycheck, the, the auto deposit into your account is going to be death. Death is coming. It's not an if I die, it's when you die. And not just when I die here, but an eternal death. 
But Jesus came and he, he went to the cross intentionally because Jesus was like us and unlike us. Unlike us in that he never rebelled. He never sinned. And Jesus came to be a perfect sacrifice, to die in our place. And as Jesus hung up on the cross, he did that for you and for me. Jesus was bearing an eternal weight for you and for me. Jesus, in essence, is that seed that goes into the ground and dies. And as Jesus is put into a tomb three days later, he rises from the dead, which is why we actually celebrate. If Jesus didn't rise, what we're doing actually is quite silly. Paul says, people should feel bad for us if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. We're singing songs, we're gathering together every week and throughout the week to remember someone who's dead who ultimately has no power. If he can't beat death, what's he going to do for my life? But the power of Jesus is most clearly seen in his resurrection when he gets up out of the grave. And that's where this mustard seed turns into a plant. That's where things start to burst in this world. And everyone is invited in. And in verse, uh, what is it, 32, it says the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Lots of commentators um, disagree about this, but the majority of them think that the birds of the air is, is people from all nations coming together. And it's not about what language you speak. It's not about where, what country you were born in. It's not about the color of your skin. It's not about any of that. It's about Jesus and this kingdom that he's building that all tribes and tongues and nations can come together and under the reign of Christ call one another brother and sister. No longer do we need to fight and be in disunity with one another because of where we were born, but rather because of where we were born again through Jesus, we can now be united together. We can take shade in this kingdom of God that's taking over all other trees. Nothing else is going to last. Platform building and brand building and all of that, it's really, since social media the last 10, 15 years, that's become huge. Everyone seems to be building out their own brand, building out their own thing. And I just want to tell you, your brand won't last. I don't care how good it is. I care how cool your graphic is care how much you're on social media. It won't last. But this kingdom will. And you're invited into this kingdom. Are you still trying to grow your own kingdom? Are you trying to grow your own kingdom? There's a story about, um, about Jonah. Do you know Jonah? Jonah in the Bible? Yeah? Okay. Um, there was a guy recently who was swallowed by a fish and then supposedly vomited out. Um, so real life living type of Jonah. Uh, so go listen to his story later, later. Let me tell you about Jonah. Jonah was a prophet, and he was given a message from God, go to the city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh, they were the enemies of the people of God. They did not like each other. They did not get along. Uh, torture happened from, from Nineveh toward the Israelites. And God said, I want for you to go to those people. And so Jonah said, nope, not going to those people. I'm going away from them. And so long story short, Jonah gets on a boat to try and go away. Great storm comes. They end up throwing Jonah off the boat at Jonah's request. Jonah gets swallowed up by a big fish and then vomited out on the land. You're like, oh, that's too crazy. Okay, great. 
just track with me around this, okay? Jonah ends up going to Nineveh. He shares the message that was given to God, but I think Jonah interpreted it his own way. In Hebrew, I think it's a five-word sermon, maybe an eight-word sermon. But basically, it's like, you're horrible and you're going to die. Jonah knew God's compassion, and he translated it into, you're horrible people and you're going to die. And do you know what happens? Like, the whole city is like, you're right. We are horrible. We deserve to die. Now, if I came in here and said, guys, I just have five words for you this morning, right? You're horrible, and you're going to die. I'm trying to think of how to make that five words. It's like, and I'm done, right? You would just be like, you're a wingnut. Like, what is going on? Like, that's what you took all week to prepare. But Jonah goes throughout the city, and he declares that message, and do you know what happens? Nineveh says, you're right, and they begin to follow God. And instead of being excited about that, Jonah is furious because God's kingdom, God's kingdom involved his enemies. And so Jonah actually says, well, maybe there's a joke. So he goes up on a hill and he's sitting there and he's watching over Nineveh and he's hoping their destruction's going to come. And this little plant comes over him and it, it keeps the sun from beating down on his head. It's probably bald, right? And he's so thankful that, that the sun is away. And he's more concerned with his comfort of himself than the comfort of Nineveh. He doesn't care about Nineveh. He only cares about himself. My little kingdom, keeping myself from getting a sunburn, keeping myself safe away from those evil people. And what does God do? Well, God brings a worm to eat at the, the root of that plant so it dies. And Jonah's angry. Jonah's furious. And God comes to Jonah and says, why are you angry? Why are you angry? And he says, I'm so angry, I just want to die, right? You have to be a little bit off your rocker at that point to be like, I'm so angry, I just want to die. But Jonah hated these people, and God is trying to put this back in perspective. I want to rescue those people and bring them into the kingdom that you're a part of, Jonah. Don't you see this? That this is the business that God is into, making enemies part of his family. And so are you like Jonah, not sitting up on a hill under a little plant, looking down on the rest of Montreal, hoping they're destroyed? If you are, we should talk. But are you like Jonah in that you have a little comfort plant, and you like that comfort plant, and, and you don't want to do what God wants you to do, and you actually know what God wants you to do, and you're just sitting under that little comfort plant, and you're saying, I'm holding on to this place that I have. Well, do you know what? God loves you so much that he might send a worm to eat at that comfort plant and that it would perish so that you actually have to come face to face with who God is. So that you would see God as a compassionate and loving God who cares about all the nations and that this mustard seed is taking over the world. If you're like Jonah, will you let the kingdom of God break in to your heart? And have compassion where he wants to have compassion. So let's pause just for a second. We're almost done. But let's pause. Do you, do you still want Jesus? You still want Jesus? That's good. That's good. Someone's in the car. All right. But this is a reflective question as well. Right? Keep this inside. 
Do you still want Jesus? Are you okay with a Jesus who exposes things in your life so that healing can come? Are you okay with a Jesus who's saying, um, you're not going to get the glory for the things that are being done in this world and in my kingdom. I'm going to get all the glory for that, but I want you to participate with me nonetheless. Your name's not going to get put on a plaque somewhere. It's going to be my name. Are you okay with that? And are you okay with his kingdom coming and taking over so much so that it overtakes your little plant? And you're like, oh, but I like that comfort. I, 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 was, so, I was so happy there. And you're awakened to new realities. Like, I didn't know that I disliked those people. I didn't know that, that, that I was supposed to be called to go and care for these people. I didn't, I didn't know. Are you okay with Jesus doing that? Because that's what life with him is going to be like. But here's the good news. That he's never going to kick you out of the car. He does not have an eject button in front of him that when you're, you're so bad that he's like, I just can't take it anymore. Eject. Boom. Gone. He's like, Thank, thankfully, I have more people I can pull over and pick up. Right? No. There is no button like that. That Jesus is going to keep you in the car and he's going to keep changing you to be more and more like him. But do you want him? Do you want him to be your priority? You see, oh, sometimes we come to Sunday and we just are like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And this is like more information. And we don't, we don't come to Jesus saying, I want you to transform me. I don't even know what's going on inside me, but Jesus, I want you to transform me. See, Jesus said there are four types of people in this world, and I'm just going to name them off because uh, Stephen read them for us earlier. The first is someone who, who comes, and Jesus says that it's like our hearts are different soils, right? Soil, seeds. And the seed that gets planted or attempts to get planted is words from God. So I'm not giving you my words this morning. I'm giving you words from Jesus. We believe that this is the word of God and that we're hearing from him. And so as the seed is going out and being scattered, what's it doing in your heart? There's nothing wrong with the seed. You're like, well, if it was a better preacher, then maybe, no, no, no. Fine, I get it. Maybe from a better preacher, but not really. Like, you're just making excuses. It's the words that you're rejecting, right? It's not the preacher. It's the words from God. So the first type of person is someone that the word is thrown out there and, and the soil of your heart is there and the word just lands on it and sits there. And it's this meh moment. It's like the apathetic, like, I don't know. I'm hungry. When is this guy going to be quiet so we can move on? If that's where your heart is, it's a very dangerous place. It's a place where Jesus might pull the car over and be like, we need to talk. What's going on? What's going on in your heart that you're not letting my words actually get in to the soil? Why won't you let me really take root here? What is so precious that you can't let go of this thing? This isn't just for those who aren't Christians. This is for Christians as well. Are you resisting him? And sometimes we justify these too. Oh, I've been hurt. Oh, my past. Like, I can't submit to this because of this thing that happened. Or like, I prefer to do it this way. But when Jesus comes to you, there's no preference. 
It's either your way or his way. And your way is a preference away from him. And Jesus doesn't coddle disobedience. He doesn't sit and rock you in your disobedience, right? He loves you, but he loves you so much that he's not going to let you continue. He's going to pull the car over and say, we, we need to talk about what's going on. And so if that's you, if, if your heart doesn't receive his word right now, ask him, would you please work in my heart now so that, so that fruit would come, so that this would take root and so that something would take place. I don't want to exist in that meh moment. I want to change. The second type of person is one where there's, there's growth. The seed goes in. But Jesus says it this way in verse 16 and 17. These are the ones sown on rocky ground, who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. So, man, there's growth that happens. Word goes out, goes into the heart, and they're like, man, we love the Bible, I love the church, I love community, like raising hands, we can sing again, it's amazing, so much joy, so great. But what we find out over time is that you are really like a ship without an anchor, That you drift into like Joy Cove and you're like, oh, this is great. This is where it's at. But then overnight, because of tribulation and persecution, hardship that comes, your, your boat moves on and you're okay with that. You're okay with that. It's like you exist temporarily inside of the kingdom of God, but belief ceases when things get hard. It's like, I don't know if I can trust God anymore. I'm just, I'm just going gonna, gonna to bail. I'm going to be the one to hit the eject button. Rather than saying, Jesus, this is really freaking hard. Jesus, it, it's hard to go through this tribulation. It's hard being persecuted by these people. It's hard not to have certain opportunities because of what I believe in. But Jesus, you called me into this car, and I'm not bailing. So you can't bail on me. You said you wouldn't. And if you want your heart to be in that place, Jesus will do that for you right now. Jesus will take the soil of your heart and work it so that the seed actually gets in and goes deep. This is what reading the Bible, this is what praying, this is what community, being the church together, this is what um, all of these spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines, they're not just for the sake of doing it. It's to help us be anchored in who Jesus is and what he's done. Now, the third type of person is gr there's growth again, right? Just like this, the last person. In verse 18, others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So there's growth again, but the context is deadly. There's thorns and weeds all around that good growth. And what are the thorns and weeds? Desire for other things, deceitfulness of riches and cares of the world. Not, not world as in like just the world, but like anti-God system. These things will choke out what, what is actually growing. So here's the illustration. As you're driving along, Jesus is driving you. You're in the passenger seat. You see a billboard that you like. You put down the window. You reach out and grab onto the billboard. What's going to happen? Okay, that's a nice way. If, if he's going slow enough, you're going to fall out. What, what's going to happen, though? 
60 kilometers an hour driving down the road. You, you hang out and grab a billboard. What's going to take place? There's going to be some yanking happening, right? There's going to be pulling. And you're either getting pulled out of that car or Jesus is grabbing you and pulling you back in. There's really no other way that that's going to that's gonna go down. And yet that's what, that's what Jesus is saying. Is that the word goes in, there's growth, excited, happy, clappy, singing, yay, wonderful, amazing, can't wait to tell everyone about it. Deceitfulness of riches come in. Being rich is not bad, but the things that, that deceive us about it, the, the identity that that's going to give us, the, the comfort and security that's going to give us, that's the deceitfulness of it. Instead of finding your identity and security and comfort in Christ, you find it in riches or in wealth or even in poverty, right? You can make an idol, a false god out of anything. Anything that you make a god thing is a false god and a false idol. And Jesus is saying that you who are obsessed with shiny things, I'm going to bring, I want to bring you back in from that. But those shiny things take people away. Those things that appear more beautiful and secure than Jesus. And it's just a lie. And it's a lie that, that we're, we're served all the time. And so what you get to do is as you're sitting and abiding in the passenger seat, you get to look at Jesus and you're like, that billboard, is that true? No. All right, looks good. I do want a nine-pack. You don't need a nine-pack. Okay. It's not possible for you to have a nine-pack, Dwight. Thanks for being honest, Jesus. Right? It's like conver honest conversations with Jesus. Right? But as we look at these billboards, we look at him and we say, is, is that better than you? Are, are, is your kingdom better than that? That's what real relationship with him is like. And at times, we're all going to believe that the billboards are better than Jesus. And that's when we need the church around us to say, hey, wake up. Like, I love you so much that if you go after that thing, destruction is coming. And here's how Jesus is better than those things. The last type of person is found in verse 20. Those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. This good fruit is growing and multiplying. But how? Hearing the word and accepting it. Sitting there, abiding in the passenger seat, Jesus saying what his words are, and you being like, okay, I'll receive that. I'll accept that. That's going to be what is most true in my life. That's where fruit grows. Now, what type of fruit are we talking about? No. Good try. Uh, there's, there's a qualitative fruit aspect to it. That as you're sitting there and as you're hearing and abiding and accepting what Jesus has to say, you become more and more like him. Next year, if we were to go away from one another and we were to see you next year, you know, maybe this will happen with those we haven't seen in a long time because of the pandemic. We'll see them and it'll be like, wow, you look so much like Jesus, right? That should be what happens, that year after year after year, we look more like Jesus, not not like facially looking more like him, but that we should be more patient. We should be more kind. We should be more loving. We should be more gentle. We should be more of these things because he's making that change in us. It's the hearing and accepting. So it's a qualitative piece, but it's also a quantitative that as we understand more of who Jesus is and we're sharing and we're the ones now sowing seed wherever we're going, that other people are saying, oh, I want that. Oh, I've been looking for that. Oh, I'm very interested in this one who's driving you around in this car toward a kingdom that makes you feel kind of uncomfortable because it sounds like everything I've been looking for. This is why 
our, our Christianity is not a private thing. It's something that we live out in a very public way, and it doesn't mean we get a, a soapbox in the corner of every corner of the city, but rather we live out the normal, ordinary things of life with good news intentionality, that there's a better kingdom than the kingdom that is here in power right now. And we belong to that. This is the fruit that Jesus is speaking of. But it's all from him. Is this you? Is this your heart? That your heart is just soft and ready to receive whatever it is that Jesus has. And if it's not you, it can be you. It can be you. That Jesus would love to sow his good news into your life right now. If you're not a follower of him, this morning you can say, Jesus, I want I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want forgiveness. I want in. And he'll forgive you. He went to the cross for you. He rose for you. For those of you who have been following Jesus for many years, if you're like, yeah, deceitfulness of riches, my heart is just hard and meh and apathetic, or my, my heart feels like tribulation or persecution is, is starting to cause me to walk away from, from Jesus. Well, this morning Jesus is saying, I, I haven't left you. I haven't left you. Let, let me change you. Let me do work in you. But just ask me. Ask me. So how do we respond to all this? It's very, very simple. Very simple. It's to say, Jesus, I'm in. Like, I am, I'm in. I was trying to think, like, how do we land this plane of the sermon today? And I'm like, very simply, like, I'm in. Do you want to be in? Do you find Jesus better than anything that you've been going after? Do you find Jesus as better than the things that you're anticipating to come? Do you find Jesus as better than what your education or your job or your family or your success or your wealth can give to you? Because he is. And if you have a hard time believing that, he says, well, just get in the car with me. Drive with me for a while. Let me explain more of who I am. Begin that journey with him today. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to take time to respond. And I want for you to be thinking about that. In, and this isn't like a morbid introspection. Am I really in? Am I really in that? Like, if you are, you know you are. But are you really in? Are you really willing to let Jesus do whatever he wants to do? Or what's the area that you're like, ah, oh, please don't touch that. If you can do whatever you want to do in all these other areas, but don't touch that. That's probably your plant. And say to Jesus, today, would you, would you be so kind as to cut that away? Would you help me get full, raw, glorious Jesus over the protection that I've made for myself? So Jesus, would you help us wherever we're at to say, I, I am in, I am in. We don't even know what that fully means, but Jesus, we want to be in. Your kingdom is the only one that's going to last. We want to be in. Jesus, your kingdom is, is taking over this world. We want to be in. And we want for your kingdom to be the type of celebration that happened in this city this past week. We're not interested in flipping over cars. But Lord, we want for hearts to be flipped over. We want for for allegiances to be flipped over. We want for people to get to see the glory of who you are. And that instead of raising a cup that, that switches teams from year to year, we would get this resurrection cup in this city. 
It would be a cup of salvation and freedom and deliverance and one that, that everyone is welcome to drink from and partake of. Jesus, would you bring revival to our hearts this morning? If our hearts are, are messed up, would you, would you fix them? Would you take the allegiances that we've been running after and would you fix them? Would you take the broken aspects of, of who we are and would you fix that? Jesus, we don't want to get out of the car. We want for you to, to drive us into your kingdom. And we don't want to leave you. We really want to see you. Would you help us to respond to you well this morning? We love you and need you for everything. Amen.